This is the second part of the two-part series I recorded with Helena Nicklin. In today's episode, we focus on wine content. We talk content creation, Gary Vaynerchuk, distribution, and experiences. Enjoy. So thinking about content with wine, it's uh, it's been the biggest question on my mind for the last few years, really. When I started as Winebird particularly, I just made the content I wanted to make, you know, saw the niche and just thought this is there's a place for this. Yeah, and there was and there still is. But now I'm working for winerist.com. It's a wine, food, travel, lifestyle platform. Um, I'm head of content for them. And so I have to be a lot more strategic about how I approach it. And um, it's been a real learning curve. And, you know, we're not there yet. The first thing I wanted to do was change our like very, very popular blog into um, a much more structured online magazine. And we're in the process of that now. And that's hugely exciting. Um, not just because there is going to be a lot, many more chances to make many different kinds of content so we can see what works and we'll be honing it and course correcting the whole time. But just the biggest thing that struck me recently was that it's a chance for collaboration, which is something that wine trade isn't terribly good at. There, in the past, especially with wine communicators, there have been so few jobs, so few columns not enough to go around, no wine things on TV really, a couple of bits, that as soon as you get one, there's the tendency to, like, to keep it close to you, not let anyone else in and feel this competition thing, which is really unhealthy. I used to be an actress and I got out of that <laughs> straight back into, into, into it again. Um, but so letting go, realizing that collaboration with wine content actually I think is the way forward. And so... What I want to do with Winerist now, what we want to do is we are, I'm tapping the shoulders of my previous competitors and just saying, hey, let's work together. You're really good at this. How about you do that? You're good at this region. You do that for us. And I've got a feeling that that is going to work really nicely because people who are going to be sharing their stuff with us and then they'll be sharing sharing it back again into the into the big wide world. So that's that is the, the, the biggest, most exciting thing I've been learning literally over the last month or two. It's to not work in isolation and it's to listen to other people's ideas and bring it all together and be a, a, a place. We want to be the one-stop shop for all of this information, whether it's podcasts, it's videos, it's how to, you know, how to start a wine cellar, how to, how to taste wine, what does it mean to drink out of a magnum or a half bottle? What, you know, what difference does that make? Answer all the questions, but at the same time, be inspiring and try a little bit of everything because that's what we're going to do. We're going to have several sections, uh, you know, be it fine wine or travel, food and drink, and we're just going to see what works. So that, I mean, that would be my advice. I mean, obviously I've got to see what happens here, <laughs> but just to try a little bit of everything and, and just and monitor Use Google Analytics wherever you can uh, if you're making videos or, or or things like that to see other times of day that people are more engaged, just to see which the headlines that are the most clickable options and try and get together and content share with other people, get them involved. Like this podcast, for example, everything we're doing or we want to do there, they will share the love. That's the thing. Wine trade is not good at that, but I want to do it more. And there's, there's, as I said, there's a real freedom in just opening up to that and not feeling any competition. And um, 
yeah and I my goal is that within a year we want every wine writer will want to be writing for us what I think is really interesting is that you mentioned you were one of the first people to do videos and yeah, I think you know to do them in such a creative way as well most certainly um and that's only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger over over time so I, I think what would be so fascinating is from you know somebody who's was very innovative in entering that space and is now keeping abreast of what's happening in that that kind of video and wine space what do you see as what's changed basically you know what what's what's going on what do you what do you see now if you kind of look back to to how it's evolved and you know give a bit of an overview of that what I see now that has changed over the last few years is technology. Massive, massive leaps in the kind people can film amazing stuff on their phones. They couldn't do that uh, back when I started. Gosh, that makes me feel really old. Um, yeah, technology. It's so easy to make really good content really quickly. Simple editing platforms, and it's becoming the norm. There are more and more young, well, much younger people in the wine trade giving it a go and from different parts of the country it's not all middle class white people anymore um, and it's not all men in uh, she shouts at 67 Palmer it's not all men in, in, in red trousers and tweed jackets anymore at all there is a real growing landscape for this there are, you see many more women you see much younger people and you and you see you know diversity slowly is increasing which can only be a good thing and uh, I, there have been a couple of individuals that I've met who I think have really led the way there I mean I've just been doing it but I've you know been keeping I haven't been shouting about it over the years as much as I should have been to be honest because I wasn't terribly confident and there weren't other people doing it so much and now there I mean there are two people I could name uh, Mike Turner from Please Bring Me My Wine. You should talk to him, by the way. He's just come in and doesn't, well, didn't care about asking questions and, and looking stupid. Because I, I, I don't think you'd ever look stupid by asking questions, but many people are afraid to do that with wine. And he and now he knows everybody. He's got the biggest following out of everyone I know. And he's he speaks about wine of in the vernacular if that doesn't sound really really terrible you know he he writes how he speaks and it's um it talks to a lot of people um but just yeah there have been a couple of people like that who've broken the wine mold and you just go oh you can't do that in the wine trade and guess what you can and he's winning he's winning at it so well done him so we've just found out off air that we're both huge Gary Vaynerchuk fans and totally unprepared. You know, I did want to give him a bit of a, a shout out in a way and, and just do that, though, in a, in a way that's going to help the listeners. And just could you just talk about how his ideas and his influence have helped you on your journey to where you are now? Absolutely. I'd kind of forgotten, actually, but the... There was one thing that really helped me make the decision to quit my job as a buyer and to set up as a communicator, and that was reading Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. He was a guy who managed to combine wine with personality, and there were, you know, obviously that spoke to me quite a lot. And after reading that, I was so fired up, I, I literally quit my job. <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and funnily enough, when I first started doing my vanalogies, I did one in particular called about Nebbiolo. Uh, Nebbiolo is the lady boy of wine. 
Uh, you can imagine that the video might have been slightly strange. Uh, it's, it's all about, you know, it looks so pale and ethereal and delicate, a bit like Audrey Hepburn. Um, but then you get it in your mouth and it's got balls, you know. So it's, it was going, uh, it was um, an interesting video. And obviously my dog's a boy. I uh, put him in a dress and, you know, put some sound effects in there. <laughs> and somebody in the wine trade found it and put it on um, a very well-known forum for sort of more established members of the wine trade, shall we say, and said, is this the new Gary Vaynerchuk of wine? Discuss. And what followed, I think, was probably the biggest conversation they've ever had on their on their forum. And it was horrific for me. Horrific because people just started trolling me like but via this forum they were really really rude about my physical appearance as well I mean, what nobody was saying though was the content's wrong which was the only thing I really cared about that I, you know that I got something wrong nobody said that and eventually to cut a long story short people started coming to my sort of defense which was which was nice and I got a lot of hits of on that Noviola video so that's good but it made me realize that yeah, if you want to be a Gary Vaynerchuk type person, then you need to develop quite a thick skin. And luckily, having been an actress, it was quite thick. So I recovered fairly quickly. But I, you know, I didn't want to show my face for a couple of weeks because I just I just felt sick. I thought I was completely on my own. And then now I just thought, well, there's only one thing worse than being talked about. Yeah, and, and I, I'll just add on, you know, I think he is so brash and, you know, he just doesn't care what anyone says about him that I think channeling that is really helpful especially when you're starting out you know I, I still remember my very first podcast you know I I didn't actually edit it I didn't want to hear my voice back and it, it's probably awful <laughs> it's number one it went up it's it's just there kind of unedited it was I got you know the I hardly get any feedback on it you know some of the feedback I got was I was going off at tangents and I was sort of you know there was some rambling stories that didn't kind of really conclude themselves but I it's even you know to this day I still haven't listened back to the to the first one but it will always be the most important podcast I ever do why because if I hadn't done number one they wouldn't have been number 40 they wouldn't have been I hope number 100 um so and you know i got i just want to say a huge thanks to gary and to his influence that got me to just put it up there risk that kind of um fear of judgment and risk that that fear of what you're trolling really you know from from people i didn't know and and now i don't care about you know if somebody wants to you know, please don't but you know if somebody wants to come on and troll my podcast i'm completely happy and comfortable with that but at the start you know when i as i put it my um my technical knowledge and my confidence were still in intensive care um it, it might have shattered me you know but it was it was definitely gary who helped me to just do it you know kind of feel the fear and do it anyway i think where i'd, I'd like to pick up and just the one word i've written down here is distribution because i think that for, that for me is the biggest change that i've seen in you know even in in my lifetime and in, in, in my time you know is imagine I had done this podcast 20 years ago or 30 years ago you know how how would it have reached people's ears you know I would have had to then go and sell it to a radio station to actually get it out to any meaningful number of people or I don't know you know pirate radio or 
you know, making tapes to hand out, out uh, you know, outside of wine tastings, you know, it, 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 it's very much sort of guerrilla marketing and underground marketing. But, you know, I, I just think for me that that is the big difference is distribution. You know, if you are making content and you're making videos or you're making podcasts that people want to listen to and they're learning from, uh, they can now find it and it doesn't need to cost anybody there's no big barrier to entry to somebody coming and doing a video about any grapes or coming and starting their own podcast and uh, I, I just think that's it's an inspiring moment and it's an inspiring place to be for people that have got something to say well this goes back to what we were talking about before what has changed technology but also free distribution it's social media that that didn't exist really back in the day um now it does anyone who is any, anyone who wants to make content can. And if it's good, and if you bother to do a couple of things like Instagram, maybe Twitter, Facebook, yeah, we were, let's not talk about that at the moment. But just if, 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 you, if you put in the time just to using what is at your disposal that's free, and if what you're making is good, you will be found. And you don't need any money to do that. You just need time. We were talking about different methods of distribution and different mediums and podcasting has really come back. It's strange because people first started doing this a while ago and then it just died a death. And all of a sudden, everybody seems to be starting one. And I, it seems to go hand in hand with vinyl coming back and the people realizing how important audio is especially in places like London where you know for example I have an hour and a half commute both ways most days and it's the it's the obvious thing to me it's just to download a whole load of stuff on my phone I haven't got any hands um, because I'm holding on to something and I have a heavy bag usually and it, it it's just it's a glorious way of consuming ideas and and content and it feels very very intimate the podcast as well and I think what happened before is that not enough people tried it and now like there's been a certain amount of people start to talk about it again and how it, and how intimate just to use that word again it, it really is and uh yeah it's what it's why it's growing it's why I want to make some and it's, it's just it's easy on the go stuff when you don't have hands and you, you can multitask we all need to we're all multitasking at the moment yeah I can do the washing up and listen to these things I could think of something much more interesting than washing up, I'm sure. Drink wine, there we are. Open wine, something like that. So we've been talking about social media and um, yes, that's all good. It's great for distributing content, etc. But we were also talking about why people are coming back to podcasts and why people came back to vinyl. And it looks like there is a movement now um, to getting back to being human and to be to spend time with real people and the, the real need for that to that to have a digital detox sometimes and that it is what that is one area where the wine world is really really great because wine brings people together wine and food go together like rama lama lama gudingi gudingi dong i can't believe that was the only thing i thought of to say at that point <laughs> People love wine and the stories about wine and the thought of sitting in a vineyard at sunset with a picnic with a group of people somewhere really, really beautiful with a lovely view. That, I mean, to me, that is my ultimate life goal, to be doing that as much as possible, putting down all kind of phones and laptops and things and just experiencing life through these incredible things, wine, food, landscapes. 
Wine does all the things that we need. You know, it brings people together romantically, friends, family. It, it, it's a reason to travel all across the world. It's, it, it makes mealtimes more than just pure nourishment. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tribal almost there there is so much about wine that i absolutely love you know and if you're if you're into geography as well and science there is there is absolutely something for everyone it, it really is a, a subject that is about life and encompasses all that is great about life and that's that's why i wanted to work for wineries because it, it does it incorporates all of those things and hopefully i'll get to do a lot of them a lot more in terms of wine goals wine education goals for other people i had a really good one not that long ago my mum doesn't know anything about wine sorry mum but she does like to drink it but the things she likes to drink normally are not the things that I I particularly want to drink with her Uh, it's that's not a snobby thing but there's just much more interesting stuff out there we accidentally ended up in sherry once Uh, that's a long story but so we were in Jerez um, this lovely Spanish dusty town very very warm and we we just we were there for the weekend it was a yeah it was a little trip from Seville and we experienced sherry in situ, which is one of those wines that you have to experience really by being there. And you know, I'd kind of got it because I'd done the WSET. I, I understood that sherry wasn't just sweet stuff for your granny. Um, but I took my mum out there and we sat in these bars, these dusty bars as the sun went down, eating tapas and you know, nuts and like chorizo and things and drinking manzanilla and oloroso and amontillado. And she just turned around to me and said, I've got it. I, I get it. Yeah, no more Harvey's Bristol Cream for me. Sorry, Harvey's, but just it—it it, it was the combination of the place, the food, the people, and the wine that suddenly put it all into context. And that's just one of the things that wine can do. I'd really appreciate your feedback on today's episode. As ever, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram at Interpreting Wine. If Twitter's more your thing, I'm at Wine Podcast. Or my email address is hello at interpretingwine.com. See you next time.